0: Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to the podcast of Queer Stories, an LGBTQI storytelling night hosted at Giant Dwarf in Redfern. This week you're listening to writer, artist and podcaster, Liz Duck-Chong. Hi. I want to tell you a story about gender and about storytelling itself. This story takes place when a child is born and given identity and a set of pronouns she is brought into a world that won't understand her for a long time and that will admonish her. This story takes place in early primary school when at the front of a classroom in year two, two children label and name respective cricketer, cricketer genitals on cartoon bodies for the whole class and there's no longer any denying that there exists a polarity of being. A young girl sees her body illustrated beneath the pointed finger of the boy and knows she isn't like the others. Many years later, she too points to this moment as proof. It takes place at the start of her teens when her body is first ensnared in the tendrils of testosterone, a landscape beneath her shifting and changing in ways she expected but feared, an undoing of a sense of safety, one that had previously extended up until the point where her body stopped and now stops far shorter. She starts the descent into uncertainty and vulnerability, her mind as at risk as her body. It takes place towards the end of high school, talking to doctors about her changing body, her regret, her grief. She mumbles the word transsexual and seeks a freeing diagnosis. The word torment comes to her mind and her lips. A psychiatrist at length grants her a treatment plan. It is black and white. She tells these stories to him just like this. Her language is intricate, precise. She describes her body as held back, uncomfortable and traumatic. Queer is knowing and not knowing. All these stories are real stories. They're my stories and many others without a doubt, but they aren't the whole story, not yet. As queer people were expected to live certain narratives, fit certain archetypes and to behave accordingly. When I'm the good trans woman, I smile. I show a little cleavage as proof. I struggle to feign excitement on morning TV about Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) But I'm not always the good trans woman. I tell you these stories as part of an unreliable history of me, because queer is as much an identity as it is an unknowableness of self, a constant analysis. My narration is as unreliable as my intentions in speaking are. So let's continue. This part of the story also takes place when a child is born although maybe the details surrounding this are less important. It takes place in early primary school as a young girl is unable to, as, is unsure as to why boys don't get to wear dresses and skirts, but because they look comfortable, not out of some deep yearning. Outside each classroom were marked a boy's line and a girl's line. Didn't really make sense. She feels different, but outside an acceptable range of difference. Not an either or, but an additional and a distinction the first telling really has no room for. Sometimes she enjoys wearing shorts, too, but it's potentially not about clothing. She forgets about her discomfort for years at a time, and maybe that's okay. This story takes place as an early teenager, entering into what will become a first puberty, hormones rushing through her, not pure fear, but still confused and concerned, as are many others. She isn't positive about being born in the wrong body, but yes, his body still doesn't feel right. She finds Bailey Jay's pornography online late at night and realises that other women like her are out there. It takes place towards the end of high school, talking to friends and trusting in them, then sharing with them. She whispers the word transgender in a lighting booth to two girls, sisters except by blood. And they hold her like they would any other girl. In secret, they use her name, gift her clothes, do her face, take her out. There is an increasing light in her life and it forms shades of grey. She tells these stories to them just like this. Her language is looser, still uncomfortable, but it sounds so good in the mouths of others. Again, these stories are real stories, and they are still incomplete, yet now we're starting to see into their depth. A story like a memory isn't stationary, For it to sit preserved forever would allow us no impermanence, no growth. We tell stories in order to be known and to know ourselves. And knowing oneself is in a process that can end. They alter as we require them to, shifting between the known and the unknown, as you remember new details or misremember old ones, or as we diminish or embellish them for a captive audience as we continue on. This part of the story Two takes place when the same child is born, or slightly beforehand, it's indistinct and irrelevant. Her parents impart a great many hopes and fears onto a growing cluster of cells. One day this child will reject some of these, potentially ones their parents didn't ever expect. But honestly, when has a person ever grown up to perfectly satisfy the expectations of those around them? They find themselves loved regardless. It takes place in early primary school. She's sitting on a table in the playground with a friend He's reading the Guinness World Book of Records and points gape at the record for most number of sex change operations performed by one person. He asks, this is like year three, he asks, who'd ever want that? And she sits and genuinely thinks, maybe I would. But she also wants a lightsaber and an underground bunker and to be a mermaid. <laughs> when people point to these experiences at proof later on, she'll look back and laugh. It takes place at the start of her teens, not the contractual raging inferno of fear and transformation, but just equal parts uncomfortable and curious about the ways bodies can change. She recounts after the fact that she's scared of her body and how society says it's supposed to have sex, but her reality has far more to do with inclination and with pacing. One day, when she's ready, she'll share her virginity with a friend who doesn't believe in them, who touches her face, calls her beautiful. She's diagnosed with depression, and she learns the joy of kissing. She is not one story, will never be just one story. It takes place towards the end of high school when the labels that escape her mouth and whispers taste almost right, but by now she knows that it will always be a work in progress, an unfolding plot. Her friends call her a mystery, and she laughs knowing full well that as much is unknown to her as to them, but plays it close to a newly budding chest. It takes place as she comes of age, as she takes hold of her body and is determined to call it her own. It takes place inside and then outside of a closet, not of her own design, but one she finds the strength to destroy. It takes place in marches and chat rooms and backyards and bedrooms as she reaches out to individuals and to a community, and as they reach back with love, creating so much color in her life. It takes place constantly in the known and in the unknown. It takes place in a room full of family, as an audience sits and listens, wondering what's next, and she wonders with them, how paths are the same for just this one moment in time. And she tells these stories to them, just like this. Thank you. Book tickets for the next Queer Stories on the Giant Dwarf website, and for discount tickets to the show, donate to my crowdfunding at patreoncom better.